All right, Justin. Sing me your favorite song about love. Hmm. It's kind of hard because there are a lot of good ones. Um. God, I, I mean, I, there's an Alicia Keys song in mind, but I wouldn't dare try to sing. I mean, she just sings too well. <laughs> Is there something? I don't even know if I want to attempt that. Uh, um, who else can I use? Man, I can't sing no Whitney Houston either. Um, hmm. I mean, you can. <laughs> well... No, I don't want to do that either. I don't want to even try that. It'll sound terrible. Uh, we'll just go with. It ain't gonna sound good, but we'll go with uh Alicia Keys. Um, uh, let's see, how does it go? What's a what's a hook from it that maybe I can kind of do? We'll, screw it. I keep on falling in and out. Of love with you, oh, never met someone way that I love you. That one, keep falling in and out from one of her uh, early albums. See, that was not bad. That wasn't terrible. You did good. Okay, I'm gonna go back and listen to it and be mad that I did it. I mean, it, it was fine. You get a point, Justin. See, was that so hard? Yeah, I guess it was all right. Whew, glad that's over. All right, uh, Heather, what about you? There's just so many songs about love. It's so hard. Um, I think I got to go with Benny King on this one. The um, So darling, darling, stand by me. That's all. No, that was it. Typically, just people singing more of that song. That's why it just kind of threw me off that that was all you sang. Other people are better singers, so (laughs) I'm sparing you. (laughs) I mean, that's fine. Whatever. Um, Yeah, I guess that counts. You get a point. All right. Was there a correct song? There was a correct song. (laughs) There was a correct song worth five bonus points. And that would be uh, I Would Die For You by Mm. Prince. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Mm-hmm, that's good. I also would have accepted Darling Nikki for three points just because it's about fucking. <laughs> so. But yeah, no, that was it. You guys both got points. Excellent. See, I guess the gods are in a loving mood. Ah, can Nailed it. Nice. Uh, you guys ready to hear our theme song? Always. Hey, Cinefans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers Podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Justin. And today we are doing our whatever number this is version of Off Script. 
Uh, we are doing it another themed episode. We are doing love and romance. So with that, let's just go ahead and jump into it. Heather, our question master, has all our questions and whatnots in there. So, uh, Heather, go. Okay. Um, all right. So the first question is, uh, it's from Tucker, and it says, most romance movies have a very fast progression of person meets person to person saying, I love you. Do you think watching that kind of progression for decades has warped many's idea of how falling in love should be and contributed to making modern dating harder and harder? Yes. <laughs> I kind of think just the romantic culture and movies in general has. I mean, it's, it's, it's so much so that there are, there are songs that talk about like, you know, like I'm not a Prince Charming or I'm not, you know, a Disney princess or, you know, whatever. Like they talk about that because of those expectations that some people have built up in their heads. Um, the one thing I will say about romantic comedies, unless they technically like throw like actual constraints on them when it comes to like timeframes and stuff like that, they do sometimes montage that shit in theoretically in the world of the movie itself, like four years could have passed. Who knows? But I get what he's saying though, because it still is very much a thing to where people are kind of like weirdly, they base their relationships on TV relationships, which is a weird thing because like over time, even those ideals change all the time. I mean, like four years ago, Jim and Pam was like an ideal relationship. And now people kind of look back on it and they're like, well, yeah, it was it. Like Jim just kind of kept doing shit without talking to Pam. That's not a good thing. You know, like he actively tried to like, you know, ruin her relationship beforehand. Like all kinds of stuff. Like, is that a good relationship model? But like five years ago, everybody's like, oh, you're the, you're the Pam to my Jim. <laughs> you know, so those things even change over time. Because like our expectations and like socially, what is acceptable, like relationship behavior and all this other stuff. I mean, there's several like relationships that were like idolized back in the day that you look at now and you're like, oh, that was a toxic as fuck relationship. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, I think that they have, I think we're weirdly getting better about it though. As culture is, as especially as culture is starting to normalize and accept mental health and those aspects of things. I think that some of those things are improving because people are slightly less likely to accept shitty relationships just because of the, you know, they expect it's the, the happy ever after type of mentality. And some of those aspects are starting to go away, which I do think is a good thing, but that's all derived from movie culture and movie romances. Yeah, I appreciate more and more like those relationships that you see in movies or TV that are very real ones, like where it's clearly not a perfect relationship or a perfect marriage or whatever, but you just see how like you're supposed to actively still work through that or 
that you know what I'm saying? Like it, it's not the perfect like for example, like Parks and Rec, Ben and Leslie. They are super adorable. They seem perfect together, but you also never see them really fight, right? Like they never really have a big blow up or anything like that. And you know, there it's just it's it's kind of more picture perfect than normal marriages kind of are. You know, and so I just I feel like in in characters that people do now, I think that people want to see more of the you know, the the good and the bad of relationships because it's more relatable to people and people want to see that. People want to see them working through those things and I appreciate that. So, yeah, I and I do think that it's definitely 100% set up like this crazy expectation. Um, I mean, like I know for me, when I was younger, you know, you think, you know, you, you get married pretty much right after college and you have kids right away. And, you know, you've got like this perfect life you're supposed to have at like 25 years old. You know, that's just kind of the, (laughs) at least for me, where I was at, like, that was the culture of the norm and what you should want and what you should expect in your life. And that's totally not at all what it is, but you know, you just, you see all these things on, on television or movies and you're just like, yeah, that's, that's what it should be. And you're right. I think that people base it off of what they see in movies a lot and it's just super unrealistic. I mean, you know, like people that always are just like, in movies, you know, the first moment that I saw you, I knew that I was in love with you and I was going to marry you. And I'm just like, okay. So now everybody just expects that that's going to be what it is when that's like rarely ever the case, you know, and it's, it's unfortunate because it sets up so many people for failure from the get go of like thinking that they just fail at relationships if it's not perfectly what they've seen in movies. So it, it's very detrimental, <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it does. It makes, it makes dating harder because there's also like this checklist, right. That you see that you're supposed to have. And you're just, you're so stuck on that. And on this, like, do they have this characteristics of this that I've seen that I love? And if they don't, then you're just like not willing to try if that makes sense. So yeah, it definitely, hurts a lot of things with dating i think yeah i think all of that is um is valid that you both are saying and and i mean it does i think that it has just a romantic movie culture uh has altered a lot of our perspectives on relationships and what a relationship should be and um, even just like, and, 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 and a lot of it, I think has been detrimental and stuff like that. And I guess it was just that, you know, and at the time, I don't know if it's as popular as much anymore, but back, but back then, I just remember growing up, a lot of those movies were a dime a dozen, you know, so many were coming out and there would be, right. Uh, actors and actresses that just really just sort of made their names off of doing those c- kinds of movies and and stuff like that. 
And it's always weird because, you know, the, you know, actor, actors and actresses are generally, are generally like the most attractive people, or at least at the very least, they are attractive people. So it's just <laughs> weird to see them play these roles of people who can't find dates or, right. you know, or like th- this, you know, uh, it, it's just weird. Like, how is Julia Roberts not able to find a man? You know, it's just, you right. know, sometimes it's so, it, all of that is so unrealistic. But at the same time, I guess it, it makes people think, you know, and then it makes you have these certain expectations and, and things like that. So I, I do feel that, that, that even with that, it can be unrealistic or, you know, like the, the, the pushy, just over aggressive like guy that keeps coming and keeps coming and he keeps asking and he just keeps pursuing and he keeps pursuing and and it's almost and sometimes it can be very like rapey and kind of right very creepy and even but in these movies it's almost seen as endearing like oh and, and we're kind of praising that kind of persistence when really we should yeah yeah when really we shouldn't be but which which now we kind of know better that we shouldn't be doing that you know but 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 it's weird because like you go back and watch certain movies and i mean this isn't a romance comedy but i I remember going back and watching the first rocky after i hadn't seen it in a while and just to give this example and it happens in some romance movies too but man that go back and watch that scene where Rocky goes on that date with Adrian and it is uncomfortable now like how he would not let her walk out the door and he would stand in front of it and she would be like I want to go and he's like oh come on you know just you know why don't you just stay and grabbing her and making her kind of kind of almost forcibly keeping her in the home And now I look at that and it's like, especially just after the speaking out movement and just, you know, and I'm not saying I was acceptable to this really before that, but now just what we know and just how society is sort of advanced in that way. You look at scenes like that now and you're like, oh my God, this is so like unacceptable and, (laughs) you know, rapey and like, I would never do this to another woman you know what i mean but i think that comes from these kinds of movies too you know being this overly pushy aggressive kind of guy towards these women and it just working out for him or just that whole thing where like or like certain sex scenes where like the woman is clearly saying no but the guy keeps pushing it and then suddenly it's okay. And now we're having sex. You know, there used to be a lot of stuff like that out there and it was totally okay. You know, it was just, the guy was a badass, and, uh, uh, you know, of course the woman acts like she doesn't want him, but of course she does. I mean, after all, this is Harrison Ford or this is Hugh Grant or whoever it is we're looking at. Of course she wants him, but that's like, but I do think all of those, li- and it may seem like a little thing, but they, but I think they have morphed into these big things that, and it does alter kind of your perspective 
of what a relationship needs to be. And kind of to your point, Heather, I was going to kind of make the same point. I do think that sometimes there are, uh, you give there are unrealistic expectations on what a partner should be, how compatible they should be. If she doesn't like these same things that I like, then it can't work. Well, that's right. not necessarily true, but I do think that, like you said, I do think that everybody has a list, like whether they acknowledge it or not, there are these things and there are these deal breaker things. And just because this person doesn't do or believe in or want these things, that just automatically means that this person, that it's not going to work. Because it's not the way these two people fell in love in this movie, or it wasn't the way that these, you know, and I do think sometimes it can come from what we've seen and the lessons we've been taught so much in cinema. I do think there, I I do think that there is a link with, with some of that stuff and just unrealistic expectations. And then what he's talking about, about people falling in love quickly, it's weird because like you were saying, Sterling, sometimes with movies, yes, they they do montage and they do take time. And sometimes there is a lot of time that passes, but it just hap- has to happen quickly because ultimately this is a movie. It's two hours. So we got to get from the beginning, middle and end in two hours. So I guess in a way, it's always kind of fast in that way, because, you know, the runtime is just not going to be a realistic length for a relationship anyway. You know, if this romantic comedy is an hour and a half, then that means that in the first five minutes, we got to meet these people. And then by the time the hour and 30 is over, we got to be getting married. And, and sometimes that, uh, you know, so it's so I think it's almost almost some of that, too, is just the nature of what a film is and our format for film and how we tell these stories. You know, by the third act, they got to be together. So, I mean, maybe I don't know if there's a way to really prevent that sometimes, you know, unless we make it a point to say that a lot of time has passed and. Uh, different things like that so I think sometimes it just also feels fast for the nature of what these movies are but yeah there's definitely been some influence and even myself just like speaking from personal experience I do think that early on when I was dating and stuff like that I did try to you know, mimic things that I would see, or, you know, just always trying to surprise the, the, the girl that I was dating with something or something like that, or trying to do these elaborate things. Like, and I think a lot of that, um, and and though there, there were times when I would do those things, you know, the person would appreciate them and stuff like that, but I'm pulling from stuff I saw in movies. I'm pulling from things I saw other people do in shows and stuff like that. And like, well, how can I make it my own and make it and put it in this situation? So there are even examples of me even trying to mimic some of those behaviors. And a lot of times, yeah, yeah, it may have worked in that moment and things like that. But when I look back, I may perhaps I should have just been myself, you know, (laughs) you know, perhaps that would have worked um a little bit better to my favor so yeah even i i think at times have been influenced by that so yeah totally agree 
Yeah. No, I mean, I get that, Justin. I think, you know, especially early on, like, when you first start dating and stuff like that, there's not really an instruction book on, like, that stuff. So you just rely on shit you've seen that are Mm -hmm. supposedly successful relationships. Yeah. And all that type of stuff. I mean. Yeah. I think it's funny that, like, you know, Heather brought up uh, Parks and Rec with uh, Leslie and Ben. I'm looking at that now and I'm kind of like, well, that was still slightly toxic. And that's from Leslie's side. Leslie was a very toxic friend to a lot of people. And, you know, because it was always her way or nothing. It was this or that. You know what I mean? And I know they address it sometimes. And she'd be like, oh, I understand. I won't be like that much anymore. And then the next episode, she's doing the same shit. You know? (laughs) She's very overbearing with some of that stuff. And, like, there are tons of times in that show where, like, she would interfere with somebody's life. And, you know, I'm watching that, and I'm like... If I was her friend and they were, she was doing that to me, there's no less than 27,000 times I would have just told her to fuck off. Like with how <laughs> like in her, in your face she was with some of that shit, you know, like with Anne wanting, you know, to get pregnant and all this other stuff. And she starts doing all that bullshit, you know, about it. And like, you're like, who's trying to the? get her a job? And yeah, yeah but it's, it's just like, yeah, it's like, why are you fucking, you know, in my shit? You know, so it's like, even then, like I look at it and I know that they always talked about how that was like an endearing quality of hers. And I'm like, that's not necessarily endearing. I mean, I guess for some people it could be, but I'm like, fuck man. Like that's a little much. And you know, it's just like, when you go back and look at some of these things, I think that to tell a better love story, you almost have to look to TV. Not that TV doesn't fall in the same tropes. It's just TV can take its time. Like movies can't. Yeah. Like, like you were saying, Justin, you got an hour and a half it because of romantic organic. comedy. You, you, you yeah. have to have them meet, get in a relationship, break up for a little bit, and get back together in a nice hour 32. Right. <laughs> you know, you can have a relationship on TV, develop and go through trials and tribulations over five or six seasons. You know? Right. So you're able to be more authentic, but sadly they don't always do that. And they still rush shit on television. You've got all the time in the world. Like, I mean, I guess, I guess you never know how many seasons you're going to get, but like I, you know, they still rush so much on TV and they still have all those weird tropes that you run into on in fucking movies, you know? And it's just, it's starting to change because you know, people's idea of romance and everything like that is changing. So, yeah, that's good, but, like, and I don't know when that point happened, but, like, I'm glad I finally grew out of, like, wanting to find, like, you know, that person from a movie, you know what I mean? Like, you would, you'd have these relationships in your head and stuff like that, and, like, I'm just glad I broke away from that, you know, like, one of my all-time favorite romance movies of all time is Sabrina. Which has its own issues and everything like that, but like, so for so long, I kind of was like, you know, in my head, it's like, I want to find my Sabrina. I'm Linus. I want a Sabrina. You know? And I'm glad I finally got away from that. It's much more freeing. 
you know, have I dated people that I probably was not compatible with because I got away from that? Sure. But at the same time, I feel like I'm better off because of that. I mean, I stopped looking at failed relationships as, as failures because I stopped looking at it like that, like through that cinematic lens, you know, now at this point, I mean, I'm even going, I'm going through the middle of a divorce right now and I don't necessarily view that relationship as a failed relationship anymore because now I just look at it as a relationship that when it's distance, you know, and I learn things about myself that I think will be more beneficial to my life because of this. So I'm glad I stopped doing that because also, because if I didn't, I might still try be trying to force a relationship that is not, you know, good in the end. It's not that it was a bad relationship. It's just, we're not compatible in that way. But maybe if I was still looking at it through a movie lens, I'd be trying to force it because it's just like, you're waiting on that one scene to happen that fixes everything. And that's just not a good way to look at shit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you made a lot of good uh, points there. And yeah, like, like you're saying, like how you kind of picture yourself as this movie character or everything like that. And then you want to find that person. Yeah. Like it, it, it's true because like in some movies and stuff like that, like when the per like when you find that person that is just almost like another you kind of like how I guess I'm back to the office, kind of like uh Scott and or Michael and Holly, you know how it They're was basically like the same. Yeah, you know, same sense of humor. She got all of his jokes like they they were just like this. It was just like this perfectly compatible person. And I think for a long time, that is what I was kind of looking for. Like there would be or even just this idea that there is this one person out there for you. Honestly, I think it's bullshit. (laughs) like i don't even believe that anymore like this that there's this one person you know now i don't even say that anymore and it's kind of off-putting like uh, like some people don't like my responses to some of my beliefs on some of this stuff because you know for the longest time that is kind of what it seems like like that's been the idea is that there is just this one person and you find this one person and it's going to be great and they're going to be perfect and everything's going to be okay. And that used to be something I was told often, not only just because of movie influence, but that's societal influence. You know, uh, other adults would tell me that. And I don't know, man. And I've kind of just now arrived to the conclusion where, you know, in my opinion, now I'm not saying I'm an expert. I mean, I'm still kind of, um, looking for the right relationship currently so i i can't sit here and be like well i'm in a successful relationship i've gotten it right and this is what i think i am not that person so (laughs) so please don't assume that that's what i mean but honestly i think that there are multiple people that a person can be compatible with you know i think that there are multiple people out there that could 
potentially be a mate for you or a, or a husband or a wife or a boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever the situation is for you. I think that there are multiple people out there who can fit that bill. I just think that sometimes because of location or because of just uh, the, the you just sheerly not knowing what your options are, you just may never meet that person. You know, you might have, uh, you know, and my theory is, is that you might have like a husband or a wife and that person could be like a compatibility, just to put it in a number, that person could be like a compatibility with you of a five. And maybe that's just the best you ever found. Maybe that's just who you happen to meet or who you happen to, 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 to wind up meeting online. Or maybe y'all went to the same school, whatever the case may be. But I don't think that necessarily means that that one person is the only person for you. I, I think there could be there could be somebody out there right now that is a 10 out of 10 compatibility with you and you'll never meet them. Yeah. And I don't know. That's just how I feel about it now. So, you know, it, I, I've just sort of broadened my perspective on it all. You know what I mean? I, I'm no longer a pro, uh a believer of this idea that there's just the one, you know, I don't really believe that anymore, but movie influence and stuff like that early on what that was something I've, I very much believed. So yeah. Yeah, no, no, that's good. I get that. Uh, what's, Um, what's the next one, Heather? Next question. Yeah. So (laughs) I'm not sure how to answer these ones, but, uh, they both came from Josh. Uh, it says, what if he- uh, Harry never met Sally? <laughs> um, we, w- we wouldn't have that iconic orgasming in a diner scene. <laughs> That's true. That would never have been a thing. Yeah. Then he, Harry would have just met Lucy or something. And maybe Sally yeah. would have just met Bob. Who maybe they are more compatible with, <laughs> but you'll never know. So. <laughs> that yeah um and then his next question is what if the notebook was never written the world would be a better place (laughs) (laughs) yeah nicholas sparks has like this thing based on the movies i've seen i haven't read any of the books but he likes to put like a really conflicting like um love triangle in a lot of his stuff it's interesting. It just makes you wonder, like, is he is his from like experience? Is it just like I don't know? But I feel like all of his stories end up kind of becoming the same plot in a way. Uh, he puts very toxic fucking relationships in his movies, and yeah. they are so like idolized, and I don't know why. The romance in <laughs> the Notebook is fucking terrible. Like, that is nothing you should ever look up to. They are incredibly toxic. Like, that whole fucking scene where Ryan Gosling's hanging from the Ferris wheel, and like, while she's on a date with someone else, and he's like, I'm gonna kill myself if you don't say yes, you'll go on a date with me. What the fuck kind of bullshit is that? Right. Like, it's fucking terrible. And it's disguised as like charming because it's Ryan Gosling and he's like this really charming and handsome man. And 
you know, whatever. And so they disguise it. And I think that's what they did. And I, we might've talked about this in maybe a tropes episode or something, but where that's just like, it disguises like really toxic behavior in this, you know, pretty package in a sense so that you don't realize what it is, you know? Yeah, it's very true. All right. Moving on. Um, our next question is from Paul and it is, what is going to happen with Bruce Banner in the comics? I think he has a child with Helen Cho. Are they going to do that angle or romance with Black Widow? I have zero to add to this because I didn't even know that that was a storyline. Um, I mean, I know I can answer, uh, answer part of that off the top of my head. Um, he's not really going to be able to consi- like, you know, continue his relationship with Black Widow. She's kind of dead. So, yeah. So, unless it's a, a relationship with a corpse, <laughs> um, which I mean, God, I, I can't do I'm, that. I'm going to throw that out there. I don't think that's very Disney friendly. You know, I don't think yeah. Disney going to be doing that. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> Who is Helen Cho? Okay, so with that part, he's talking about Amadeus Cho, who uh, is a genius in the Marvel comics and does become a Hulk at one point. He's Amadeus Hulk. Um, Okay. But his father is not the Hulk in the comics. Uh, I don't know exactly how he gets his his Hulk powers, because he was a sidekick for the Hulk for a while. He's like a kid genius. But... He, he, the Hulk is not his father. I, like I said, I don't know how he gets his powers, but unless they retcon it at some point later and they make the Hulk his father, at least right now, his father uh, would, is dead. Um, Helen Cho, though, uh, you know, is a genius in the comics also, um, but in the movies, she's the scientist that they, like, kidnap her or take over her lab in Age of Ultron. To create the vision. So you do see her for a little bit. But. Hmm. Okay. Didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. And I don't think that Bruce Banner and her are going to get together. In the MCU either. Considering, you know. She was kind of a small role. Like what? 15 years ago now or something. Whatever now. Like. I know when 15. But like that was like six or seven years ago. So, I mean, she could come back, but I don't really see it happening. Okay. On a similar note, we got a question of, do you think that in the Black Panther movie, we will ever see the romance between Storm and Black Panther play out? If they have kids, are they Thundercats? I have a question for our audience or the people asking (laughs) questions. Why do you keep thinking relationships with dead people are going to happen in the MCU? I'm very confused by this. Yeah. Like, do they not know? Have they not? I mean, do they not know? Yeah. Unless they think that Chadwick Boseman. Yeah. Unless they think down the line, like a different male black Panther is going to come along, but yeah, but then it's, I know I've, I've thought that was said that it wasn't going to happen. Well, they might, they could still come up with a male, Black Panther in the in the in the movies. 
they said they're not going to recast T'Challa, though. You know, so it won't be T'Challa. And, and is that technically who had the relationship with Storm? Yes, Storm and T'Challa were married <laughs> in the comics for a little while. So, I mean, maybe Umbaku becomes, you know, the Black Panther in like, you know, two movies down the line. And, you know, maybe then Storm's in the MCU. Maybe they do a Storm and Umbaku, which is fine. But the relationship he's referring to is in the comics, is T'Challa. And, I mean, I'm going to feel bad if I have to do this right now, but you do know Chadwick Boseman died, right? Right. I'm, I'm just, I'm throwing that out there. Like, and the, and the other guy, knows, he knows Black Widow died, right? Like, he saw right. Endgame? I'm assuming he saw Endgame? That would be kind of funny if he just started and was only up to Age <laughs> oh, of no. Ultron. And he's just like, man, MCU <laughs> movies are good. He's just listening now and he goes, wait, she dies? What Oh no. I would feel bad at that instance. I mean that'd be pretty hilarious. (laughs) But I mean I do agree they would be Thundercats. I completely agree with that. I just don't know if it's socially (laughs) acceptable for her to fuck a dead guy now. Because they they have literally said they are killing T'Challa in Black Panther 2. You might not see it, but he will die. Oh, see, I didn't know that they said they were going to kill him off. I just knew he wasn't yes. returning. Like, it could have been like a Paul Walker no. off doing his own thing type thing. No, no, no. They said he will be dying. Okay. Now, whether or not they show a black, like, somebody in a Black Panther suit, you know, digitized, being killed in a battle or whatever, but no. They did say that Black Panther will die because they don't want the idea that, like, you know, because we've already kind of got that idea running around in the MCU of, like, why the fuck didn't Iron Man show up when helicarriers are, like, fucking blowing shit up in, like, Captain America 2? You know, like, you've already got mm. those weird questions for some things, you know? And so they don't want the idea that, like, oh, T'Challa's just off doing something else. Because, narratively speaking, it would be like, oh, man, T'Challa's just been, you know, running around doing other shit for ten years. That's crazy. Yeah, it would be like out of character. Yeah. You know, like world, yeah. especially the next time they do an Avengers movie, because an Avengers movie is always like a global threat. It's always a big deal. So it's like, man, yeah, T'Challa is just not giving a fuck that the world might be destroyed right now. That's weird. <laughs> yeah. A little off brand. Yeah. And that's, that's why they said they're, they're killing him off. Like that is like from Kevin Feige. They are killing him. Or not, not Kevin Feige, but it was Ryan Coogler. You know, the guy that fucking yeah. wrote it and directed. Like, is he's like, yeah, he's dying in it. You know, because it want, makes the most sense. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. And part of it is, I think they want to do the funeral scene and have that be an homage also to Chadwick Boseman. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Yeah. Because yeah. it's yeah. gonna, which you, makes a lot. Of- yeah. Go ahead. No, I was just because it, it's not. It's it's because it's going to be a big thing. You know. It's not going to be like the random funeral scene in a movie. It's the funeral scene, a scene of a king that died. So it's going to be right. a huge scene, you know, and I think they want that, which I get. I think that's fair. Yeah. And you might have other Marvel characters make a guest appearance for that and all be there. And 
stuff like that. I mean, I think they could really uh, go all out for that. But yeah, the only scenario, and then you just got to think, I mean, sometimes you just got to think logically about this stuff. Like, okay, in order for that to happen, you would have to have, at this point, you would have to have a new T'Challa, which based on what we know, I mean, that's not the direction that they're going. But Storm has to be introduced into the MCU somehow. And then you would have to have those two characters get together. There need to be a story where those two characters would get together. So the only way I can see something like that happening, maybe there's a multiverse angle. Maybe, maybe some sort of multiverse something where maybe like Killmonger is Black Panther and maybe he's married to Storm or something, you know, or you may get some sort of something like that that that's the really to me that would probably be the only way realistically we might see something like that or maybe it's mentioned in another universe or something or maybe like some character is talking about some other universe and he goes well yeah well in that universe he's married to this woman and she's got like I, I, I believe she can manipulate the weather or something. You know, you might get something like that, but honestly, that's the only way I could probably see this happening. But that as far or as like, like a, yeah, that or like a, one of those, it happens like off screen and then it's like a years later, it's like, like if they were going to do it in the, the newest Black Panther movie, like a, you know, I'm Storm, you know, I was with him, this is his kid, like something where it's like, couple years have passed or something like that but i just feel like that won't really go over well in the long run to do that so i don't know yeah or what if season two or something but like but that would be the only honestly that would be the only way i could see them doing that at this point because and it and and if they were going to do something like that it would have to be much later down the road just given the storylines that they're doing at the moment, you know, I I just don't see it happening, honestly. So, right. I mean, yeah. I I can see it in thirty years after they've rebooted the whole fucking universe. Exactly. Possible, Maybe like in a yeah. reboot, yeah. Like you know, once they've killed off the entire MCU in some like reckoning event, and they're just like, all right, you know, two years, Iron Man all new and it's just you know a new thing you know starting everything over again maybe yeah you know after disney's bought sony and they have the rights to all their characters and they decide to say fuck (laughs) it and destroy everything and go no we're starting from the ground up with everything ours right which i can very much see them doing Mm -hmm. yeah i wouldn't be surprised um yeah that's that's the only other way i see it because honestly I don't see them doing a what if because that would be such a weird what if of what if Tatola didn't die. Oh, that would just be so fucking awkward. Yeah, that would be weird. Yeah. Yeah. Like, how would you even tell that story? You know, it would just be crass. You know what I mean? Like, it's just in such poor taste to be like, what if T'Challa didn't die? The animated half hour show. Right, like that would just not, yeah, it wouldn't do justice to like anything at all. 
Yeah. All right. Next question. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. All right. This question wait, is. Wait, wait, Yes. This isn't about another dead MCU character, is it? <laughs> no, we only had two of those and okay, we answered then. them. <laughs> All right. There. There we go. Um, this is different. Okay. So this one says, what is the benefit of adding a romantic interest in movies where it doesn't really fit? There are some actions and comedies that would be the same movie without the protagonist getting the girl at the end, quote unquote. Do they draw, do they draw more easier for men to convince their partners to watch, give the viewer more of a sense of happily ever after and closure? That's it. Go ahead, one of you two. Go ahead, Jason. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, that that's definitely a common kind of trope that, that, that we've seen a lot. And I mean, again, just kind of going back to something I kind of said earlier, back then, that was just the norm. You know, the guy in the, 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 the badass guy, he saves the girl and saves the world or saves the, the government or saves America or whatever the case may be. But he's always got to get the girl in the end. You know, he's always got to get the or even like um, like with James Bond. You know what I mean? I think about that. And there's always a quote unquote Bond girl. You know, there's yeah. a, there's there's always a woman that he's going to get or, or, or he's going to have sex with or whatever the case may be. There's, but there's always a bond girl. And I remember that like that, that used to be like seen as kind of a badge of honor. Well, and you know, they would do these interviews and these actresses would be like, yeah, I was the bond girl for this one, or I was the bond girl for that one. And it was kind of like a thing. It was just such unacceptable thing that James Bond has to get with some woman that that is just going to happen and it must happen. And I don't know. I think that could be one of the earlier examples, but I think that that has just always been um, like kind of a, I don't know if it's just like a filmmaker fantasy or just a film writer. I don't know. I guess that is just been an early fantasy of guys who made films and stuff like that. I want my, my ideal hero not only can save the world, not only is he skilled, not only can he do all these things, but he, but the girls love him. It's a very, I guess, kind of basic like way of thinking, but that has kind of been an endearing formula. You know what I mean? It has been. And I don't know if the marketing strategy is necessarily so like like girls will come see like women and and like uh, or girls that age would come see these movies more. I don't know. I mean, I guess I could ask you, Heather, for a woman's perspective in a second, but like, I don't know if that, if the fact that he's going to have a, a romantic interest in the action movie, I don't know if that is ever like influenced, like all the girlfriends that or friends that were women that I've spoke to, I've never seen that as the appeal for them to go see an action movie. I don't know. I don't, I've never known one of them to go, well, He's going to wind up getting with like, 
I don't know, Rosario Dawson, and that's why I want to go see the movie. I've never encountered that. I mean, maybe y'all can, maybe y'all have. I've never encountered that, you know, they, <laughs> so that, that would be, so I don't know if the marketing strategy is that. I just think it's more marketing towards men and what men want and what their ideal hero, uh, what our social constructs have made the ideal hero. He's got to have this. The girls have got to want him and he's get and he gets to save everybody. And most of the time he gets to save the quote unquote damsel in distress. But that's why nowadays movies are a little bit more refreshing like uh shang chi that's why that movie is refreshing because you have this relationship with him and aquafina and they didn't have to make out at the end they're just friends you know you know and even like the old grandmother was like when are y'all gonna get married and he said we were friends and they stuck with that. There was no awkward moments. There was no scene where they fall on top of each other and give each other the look. There was nothing dumb like that. They were just friends. Is it sad? What, and that when was you good that, enough. When you said the whole fall on each other and give each other the look, it, I just pictured like 90,000 different movies of that happening. Like Exactly, exactly. right? Exactly. Like the, there, the, there wasn't that scene. And I mean, they were friends and that was enough. So I do think we're, um, I'm not going to say moving away completely because then I think about like, we, we, we watched, what was that movie we watched with the rock and, uh, jungle cruise, jungle cruise. Yeah. Then we watched, you know, jungle cruise and (laughs) prime example of this. yeah. Yeah. And what did we say? We didn't think that they had to really fall in love you know i think it would have been better if he fell in love with the brother (laughs) right yeah yeah i mean yeah but it's it it, that is true that's a prime example of like it's that is the exact type of movie because it's like the story is exactly the same and the outcome is exactly the same with or without that love story in it you know yeah but that movie made money you know, it made yeah, pile of money. Now, again, now, surely that's more about the appeal of the leads because the leads are amazing and they make, they elevate that film. We all agreed mm-hmm. on that. But, uh, but, but the point is, is that there are still writers and people that think that formula still works. And as long as we keep paying for movies like that, they're going to continue to come out. <laughs> it's going to continue to be there. No, so. you're absolutely right. And I, that's something I didn't give Shang-Chi credit for when I should have. Because in that scene you were talking about, Justin, with the grandmother, when she's like, when are you two going to get married? And he's like, oh, we're just friends. I was like, in my head, as soon as that scene happened, I went, oh, fuck, they're going to get together by the end of this movie. Yeah. Is what I just instantly thought. Because of that Same. line. And looking back on it, I didn't even give the movie credit for not doing that. You're absolutely right, Justin. Like, it deserves credit for that. Because that's almost the first time Marvel didn't do that. Marvel has been doing that formula, too, of throwing a fucking love interest when it doesn't need it. I mean, the Thor movies kind of work with that in, in Jane Foster, especially now that she's going to come back. 
But like, uh, what's her name? Rachel McAdams' character in Doctor Strange. You're going to tell me that movie cannot be the same without her being a love interest? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They yeah. didn't need it at all. I get that. You know, some movies do need it because one of the interesting aspects of Spider-Man is his relationship with MJ. So I get it when they throw yeah. an MJ or a Gwen Stacy in there. I get that. Yeah. That's a part of the Spider-Man lore that people like. Mm-hmm. You know? So I get that. It's like Lois. Lois Lane and Superman. You know what I mean? I'm never going to get mad yeah. at them throwing She's a Lois Lane there. and Superman. Because, you know, that's they, they go together. It works. But, like, do you know, does it always need to be a love interest? And I think... I think you're absolutely right, Justin. I don't think it's to be like, oh, look, you know, get your girlfriend to come because there's also a love story. Because what is the love story? A bunch of fucking action, 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 action. We kiss her fuck and then some action done. Like, <laughs> that's not a fucking yeah. love story. And plus, it's also like, you know, that weird fucking gender stereotype to like imply that a woman can't enjoy fucking action sequences and all this other stuff. You know, it is those yeah. outdated tropes also. But like, it, it I think it's offensive to even call those love interests because it's not. They're a bystander for the action and then they kiss or fuck. That's it. And I, I totally think it falls into what you were talking about, Jasna, of it being a weird male fantasy of, look, yeah. this guy kicks ass and he fucks women. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's all that is. That's, that's all it is. Like and that's that's literally the definition of the character trait of James Bond. He kicks ass and fucks women. <laughs> like that's that's every James Bond movie ever. But like that's every action movie, you know? Like that's fucking Arnold whenever he kisses the girl at the end of the movie. It's just to be like, look at him. He kicked all that ass and he's gonna fuck the woman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like that's it. That's all these screenwriters are doing. And honestly, it makes me feel like they're fucking like those weird stereotypical basement dwellers that's never even fucking been near a woman because they think that that's like it. Like, yeah, man, if you just kick enough ass, you get to fuck (laughs) chicks. Yeah, I'm going to write about that now. Like, I know that's a terrible, terrible generalization and like stereotype of like writers, but like, that's what it comes across as now. Like, now when you watch an 80s action movie, that's what it feels like. Because, like, it's yeah. like Rocky. That's that's that scene in Rocky. If, you know, if you're just assertive enough, she'll fuck you. Yeah. Like, it's that shit. Because the love interest in all these action movies, they always have the scene where they're like, I wouldn't fuck you. And then, and he's like, and the guy's like, whatever, woman. I'm going to go beat up some bad guys now. And then he goes and beats up the bad guys and comes back. And then she's like, I want to fuck now. Now, now I want to fuck. Like, fuck, it's tiresome. Like, that's one thing I really appreciated about uh, uh, Fury Road. That they didn't end up going down a love story with those two. Yeah, they didn't. Yeah, that's another good example. You didn't need it. You can have them mutually respect each other. That's a fine ending. Like they can be mutually respecting, attractive people that don't get together. Yes, they can just be like, "Look, thank you for helping me save these people. 
you did a good job. And he's like, you know, thank you for saving my life a couple of times. You know, I'm glad I could help you out. I'm going to go my way now. And she goes, great. If you need anything, you know, come back. You know, if you need help later, we'll help you out. We're friends now. That's right. a perfectly reasonable ending to a fucking action movie. <laughs> they don't have to fuck. Disney. Too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Which, I but, mean, and it really... Well, I was just going to say real Go quick, which does give me hope for the MCU that they're going to quit that shit because of Shang-Chi. So I, I, that's credit I need to give Shang-Chi that I didn't when we did that episode. Maybe the MCU will quit that bullshit. Because that's the same thing with the fucking Hulk and Black Widow they did earlier. Did they need that story? No. Why couldn't it just be that him and Natasha had a good relationship with each other and she knew how to calm him down without them alluding to them wanting to fuck? Yeah. Why did that need to happen? Yeah. Go ahead, Heather. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just, it is, I, I agree. I think it's like, it's that whole total package mentality, right? Of like, yeah, man, this person is a badass. They fight. They always win. They're cool. They've got swag and they get the girl. Like I, it is, it's that total package thing. Um, I do, I feel like it's partly that. And then honestly, in my opinion, I do think part of it is like, a lot of people are just a sucker for a love story or a romantic interest, you know, even, you know, and it is, it's, it's not just girls. It is guys. I think guys like to have that in movies sometimes too, just like sometimes the females really just like the action. Like they're just like, I love action movies. Like my best friend will watch an action movie over a love story any day. And you know, that's just her vibe. She just enjoys those more and she is more interested in those, you know, but like, it just depends on the the type of movie, and I, I don't necessarily think that people go into these movies always with the mindset of, we need to do this because we want to make sure that one gender or the other watches it more because of it, but I do feel like, I mean, I, I feel like it's their attempt to try and be like, we have more than just action in this, like there's a little bit more depth to this. Because there's like a little bit of a love story. I do like the action movies where, you know, if it is that relationship that the the partner is like holding down the other one and kind of being their voice of reason, you know, like the superhero that needs that, you know, person to slap him in the face and be like, oh, you're being stupid right now. Or not even a superhero, but just any action hero who's like being stubborn and wanting to get revenge or, you know, in their moment of being a hothead and then the other person is like trying to bring him down to earth right like i do like that type of relationship in like an action type movie i think that's cool um but again it it depends on the type of relationship they're putting in the movie if it is just a james bond type thing where it's like they're they're not always really just like meaningful it's just to show you hey this attractive lady and i are gonna sleep together like there there's no real reason for it other than to just say I'm a badass cool guy you know but um it, it really does all depend on the specific movie I feel like but I I do get it because there are there are some movies that you don't need it 
like you can add it and that's fine because yeah, maybe it, maybe it makes them more relatable or they want that aspect of people rooting for them more, um, on the human side instead of just like the action hero side. But you know, and, and I think maybe that also comes down to the original question we were talking about, about like, you know, love stories in movies in general. And, you know, it it just kind of can go back to, this has to happen. Like this person is not a complete person unless they have this love interest, you know, <laughs> like action heroes aren't complete or really fully satisfied unless they are in love. And you kind of see that that's not really necessarily, you know, the case. Like, I feel like, for example, John Wick does it well because of course there's that love interest, but that's the catalyst for why John Wick is John Wick in a sense. You know, so there was a reason for it. You know, if they had just randomly had him doing his John Wickness without that, you know, (laughs) motivator, and they just randomly had him with a girl for some other reason, you'd be like, that's pointless. There's literally no reason for it. You know what I mean? Like, it just, I don't know. I think it's their attempt to try to appeal to all types of people who like all types of movies. But, um, yeah, I, I just feel like everybody thinks that love is what everybody is in search for anyway. So we got to put it in every type of movie. You know what I mean? And so that's their attempt of like, yeah, they're probably looking for love, even if they are an action hero. And yeah, it's just, it's a little misguided most of the time. Um, but yeah, I do think that back in the day, it was like a, let's go on a date because you don't want to get, you know, too in depth into a movie on a date, but you want to have, you know, entertainment value still. So action is just going to be the best way to go with it. And, you know, but now it's more of just like, no, there's just so many other types of movies and blended movie genres that it's, it doesn't matter. It's just like, maybe I just like action. Maybe I just want to see that movie. Like for me, I was so excited when Free Guy was coming out because I was like, that just looks like a super fun movie and I just want to see it regardless of if there was like a love interest, like that helps the movie be good, but it wasn't needed. Like it still would have been a good and fun movie without it, you know? So yeah, it really honestly depends on how they do the unnecessary love interest in it, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and there are some situations where like, there's still some action movies and stuff like that where I do kind of like, where I do still like whatever the love interest is or how it happened or whatever. And maybe some of that is just because of the chemistry with the actors. Maybe some of it is because I felt like the story was the way it was done was a little bit more intriguing. It just wasn't so like on the nose, but, but I do think you're right. It's like, Okay, what 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 are people doing? People are in relationships, people are looking for love or they have it or whatever the case may be or something like that. So having this element in here is makes it a more relatable element. Um element. If this person has somebody that they that they love or they desire or someone that they're trying to, you know, appease or whatever the 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 case is with the relationship between the 
the main character and the love interest, maybe there is a part of it that's also like, well, that's something that people can relate to. So it makes this character more relatable. And I think it can, like like you said, if it's executed correctly, if it just feels like an ingredient, like for the sake of just having to have it in there and it feels disingenuous, I think that's when it's annoying and it's eye rolling. But if it feels like it really adds to the story, like what we were saying with Spider-Man and his love interest or whatever, you know, there are times where it does feel like it adds to the characters and the story. And then there are times where it you it just totally feels like it's in here because the writer thought it just needed to be in here, you know? Yeah. No, that's a very so. good point. And I was like, and when Heather was bringing up John Wick, I was actually kind of worried in this last one that they might do that him and Halle Berry have a love interest story. Mm, yeah. And I'm so glad they didn't. It just doesn't fit in oh, those I movies. I mean, there are times in some of these action movies or whatever that they can have a love, love interest. It's just, I think nowadays you have to be more cognizant to do a better job of making the love story feel like it's an organic part of what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I think one movie that does that very well, and it's not even a recent one. I do think that the love interest story in in Speed actually works a little better than some of these other movies. You know, I could see that. You know, because they even comment on the fact that, like, you know, if you're in these high stress situations and stuff like that, that like romance is formed in them aren't necessarily authentic because of just all the endorphins or whatever but like they're like yeah fuck it let's do it anyway like so it kind of works in that regard but it's that's the problem is so many of these love stories in these action movies just don't feel organic it's just some shit happens and then they kiss at the end kind of like a jungle cruise their dynamic worked very well as that friendly adversarial relationship and just out of nowhere, bam, we love each other. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, fuck. Nope, that's true. I mean, and there's also like, it, it's funny too, it just going a little bit back to John Wick, because I was actually having a conversation with a friend of mine um, about uh, just in general, like Keanu Reeves movies and like the progression of his movies. And um, he was like, he was like, you know what? I don't know what my life would be without those John Wick movies. (laughs) And it was funny, but it's also like him as a person, he's a very like introverted, independent, like not looking for just like a romantic relationship type of person. And so totally get why John Wick is his thing. Like he doesn't need the romance in the movie, you know, because that he's just not that guy that cares about it. So I feel like, John Wick is a very good example of how you can make an action movie that's not just solely based on like, I need this random love story in it, but it's a movie that appeals to both men and women. You know, both men and women just love those movies because they're just great movies, you know, great action movies. So I I just think that that's how you do it and you avoid the Jungle Cruise type way to do it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. And in that, it just felt a little more genuine in that because he did have a wife, you know, it was just unfortunately 
she's gone. And so he's dealing with the loss of that. And the dog was like the last gift uh, to him from her. So it was just a little bit differently done. It wasn't like, well, we're, it, it didn't feel like the, the, the wife is in here just because we need him to have had a beautiful woman or something. So you need, so you can know that John right. Wick got down with somebody that looks tight. Like I think <laughs> it, it, it helped, but hey, some movies still, it feels like that. But like in this though, it felt like it was adding to the story. Or like I think about True Lies, one of my favorite like Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. Mm, yeah, it was a little bit better done because in that him and Jamie Lee Curtis were already married. You know, they were already married, so it was about her kind of discovering that he, oh, he is this badass. You know, but they felt, but she fell in love with the person she thought he was, and then found out about who he really was. And it was about kind of her coming to grips with that and then accepting him and then him also being more honest with her. So that was like one of the fewer action movies, like especially like Schwarzenegger style action movies where they kind of went a different way with it. You still have that love interest, but it felt like those characters grew together. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. It's about execution for sure. Mm-hmm. Anything else on that one? No, we can get the next one. All yeah. right. Next question is, um, what's a better date dinner and movie at home or a theater? Also can Justin answer his as Hulk Hogan describing a date? <laughs> uh, okay. I'll attempt that, but I'll go last. <laughs> got to get that voice ready you know yeah i gotta figure out how i'm gonna do this this is a tough question because i feel like it also depends on the people but also the like stage of the relationship maybe like i think a like dinner and a movie at a theater you know not factoring in the pandemic of course i think that's a good date as far as like a first date or you know, first couple of, I don't know if you want to do that for all your dates, but you know, if it's, if it's early in the relationship and you're just starting to date, I feel like at a theater and out to dinner is better just because like, you're still getting to know this person. You know, I just personally, for me, if I'm on like a first date with someone that I don't really know that well yet, I would be a little hesitant to be like, yeah, come to my home. Let me give you my address. Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? So, but if it's like you're, you're comfortable with each other and you know each other and you're, you're a little bit further on in that stage of the relationship, I do think that like at home, that would be a fun little like, you know, date night in type of thing to do. Um, Especially, you know, if it's on a weekend, you've had a long week of work, you just want to relax. You know, I, I think that that is actually, I would probably prefer that over the two. If it's something where I'm like further in the relationship, that's what I would prefer. I mean, yeah, I, I get what you're saying, Heather, because I think it really depends on where you're at in the relationship, you know, because it, you know, early on in the relationship, I would almost argue that it'd be the reverse for me just because early on in the dating process or whatever, going to a theater would mean you couldn't talk. 
you know? So True. it's harder yeah. to get yeah. to know somebody. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. So I would actually switch that. I'd probably be more likely to maybe want to try to do something at home when it, if it's involving a movie. Uh, and then, you know, going to like the theater when you're more established in the relationship. Because then, you know, sometimes you don't want to talk when you're in a relationship. So you go to a movie. So Okay. That makes sense. I guess maybe like in my head, my thought of it was like, oh, it's a first, if it's a first date or something. I don't know. I just, maybe I have trust issues. I don't know. (laughs) Just like, I would just be hesitant if I don't know the person that well yet to be like, here's my address. Please come on over. You know, like, I guess it just depends, I guess, in general, how well I knew the person, you know. Oh, that makes sense. That makes complete sense. Right. Hulk, you're up. How am I even going to do this? Uh, <laughs> it's going to be so weird. Um, man, I honestly don't. I mean, you don't have to, but. <laughs> well, let me tell you something, Heather. Whatever the Hulk. Uh, mm, I don't know how to do it. Like, this is so weird to talk about. This is so Hogan. I'm going to try. I'm going to try. What are you talking about, Justin? Okay, are you talking re- about you've never thought about romantically going on a date as Hulk Hogan? <laughs> no, never. And maybe that is my fault. Perhaps I should. I mean, I call myself a wrestler. Why haven't I thought of this? Um, right. Well, let me tell you something. What would the Hulkster do, brother? Okay. Well, let me tell you both something right now. After Hulk Hogan is done in the gym, banging and clanging, brother, working on those 24-inch pythons. And then I look over to my left, and I see somebody who looks like she, too, can feel the power of Hulkamania. So I waltzed on over. I gave her a big double bicep flex. And I said, would you like to go to the movies with the, with the holster, brother? And she said, yeah, brother, I want to go with you. Here's my phone number. And so it was like, what should we do? Should Hulk Hogan take her out? And we, should we go somewhere where we're going to be in the dark and not be able to talk? She won't be able to see the 24-inch pythons. Or do we do it at home, brother? Yeah. And I think I like that <laughs> idea better, brother, because then we can both sit there. I can put on the movie, but she's not going to be watching that, brother. She's going to be watching the power of Hulkamania because it lies right here in my hand. So what you going to do, Sue? I guess that's her name. What you going to do, Sue, with the power of Hulkamania? Oh, and I'll make a fresh popcorn, brother. Run wild on you. There's so many questions about that whole statement. Especially because <laughs> some of those things are creepy. <laughs> well, Hulk Hogan is kind of creepy. Dude. Kind oh, of no, creepy. no, I get it, yeah, Justin. I get it. I get it. <laughs> it was a perfect impression. Don't get us wrong. <laughs> like <laughs> I'm just saying, when that Hulk Hogan's funny. like, I've got all the power in my hand, you won't be watching the movie. Sounds a little creepy. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is a little creepy. Um But don't but get me wrong. Hey. I think that's how Hulk Hogan would talk to a woman. 
Correct. Probably so, yes. right? I, yeah, probably so, right? I don't, I, I don't look at Hulk Hogan and go, you know what? That's somebody that just respects other people. <laughs> no, 10 out of 10 for the impression. Like, there's no fault in how you impersonate it. I mean, obviously, because what woman just wouldn't want the power of Hokamania? I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I bet I sure. can think of at I'm- least five. <laughs> uh, oh, brother. But to kind of just answer the question, no, I think you're both actually right, though. Just, I'm going to be Jaston now. Um, that was Hulk, and he's weird, so uh, this is me now. But yeah, I think uh, what you said, though, like... It, it it all depends on the stage because I think if it's early, especially like a first date or something like that, I, I probably wouldn't lean towards a movie because I would want to talk to the person. You know, I would want to be face to face with them and kind of talk and get to know each other and stuff like that. And then maybe later down the line, um, you know, a movie would be an option after we have sort of, I guess, done that sometimes and we're a little more comfortable with each other then i think because i don't know i feel like i don't know if intimate is the right word but i feel like when you go to a movie theater with someone you know y'all are sitting next to each other you're in the dark y'all are like it feels like a thing you do when you're closer to the person but i don't know i don't know if it's a thing you do when the person is a stranger Uh, maybe i'm wrong about that but my first date has never been a movie date with anyone it's always we go to eat somewhere or we go somewhere to chill or let's have a coffee at at starbucks or some hangout kind of chill place where they serve drinks that you can sit you know that's something like that has usually been what my first date is i i don't i don't think i've ever done a first date movie so if somebody has yeah that's what i was gonna say too is like probably avoid if I avoid doing at least a first date as like a movie date because yeah, you don't know the person yet. So yeah, I was going to say that as well. Yeah. And I, and it feels like that's just a little bit more of a, I keep coming back to the word intimate, but I don't mean like as far as not, it's not like you have to have intimacy. It's not like you're having intimacy or anything in a movie. You're just more comfortable with the person. Yeah. Yeah. But it is a more thing, but it, it does feel like something you do when you're closer to the person. But if I'm if but now if we're going like if we're further down the line and this has been a relationship that's been further along the way and stuff like that, I'd almost prefer the movie at home still, though, because then I feel like we could enjoy each other more. You know, we could be more comfortable in the home or how we're sitting or whatever we're doing. Maybe we could be close to each other because the seats aren't dividing us. You know, I feel like if something, you know, comes up or whatever the case may be, the movie can be paused. It can be interrupted. And if something comes up or whatever, or what if we just decide, well, we got further far enough along in the movie. What if we decide to just turn that off and just want to enjoy each other, whether it's talking or any other number of things we could do. I just feel like you'd have more options at home, you know, (laughs) if you're at the movie theater, whether the movie is good or bad, uh, whether it's going long or whether it's you're kind of stuck there. I mean, obviously you can get up, but what I mean is 
there's a lack of freedom. You're kind of giving up some freedoms when you go to a movie theater, and rightfully so, because you're 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 supposed to be there to immerse yourself in the film. Right. So, although you know. from stories you guys have told me, not everybody follows that rule. <laughs> yeah, that I was about to true. say, Justin. No, you a- know, from working at the theater, you know damn well that being at a movie theater does yeah. not mean you don't need to do something. Just saying. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Yeah, that is true. Now that is not true, and um, uh, you know. Uh, maybe I'm kind of guilty of one of those things myself, but anyway, um, <laughs> maybe that was too much information, but, um, but to me, that's less about it being a movie. And that might be more about like public fetish type stuff, but I don't know. Maybe that's a different conversation for another day, but, but, but in general, you get what I'm saying though. <laughs> like, no, yeah. obviously you can do stuff at a movie theater. Yes, you can. But should you? But, and is that the point of it, right? Yeah, but but if the point is, if, if, but if I'm trying to quote unquote do stuff, I'd rather just be at home. <laughs> you know. But anyway, makes sense. Yeah, I mean that's fair, Justin. I mean, I don't know after after last night's episode where we recorded our malignant episode. I kind of want Malignant to be my first date from now on. (laughs) I want to see how they handle it. Like, or it might be like a weird criteria from this point on in my life. I'll just be like, hey, uh, you see Malignant? And the only two acceptable answers would be, I haven't seen it yet, which is fine. Then I'm like, cool, we can watch that. Then I can see your face whenever, you know. The guy's face comes out of the back of his skull. Or they'll go, yeah, his face came out of the back of her skull. And I'll be like, all right, do you get it? You know, if they give any other answer than that, it might just be a no for me, dog. Fair enough. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's the gold standard now is the malignant test passing it is portion. i think i think that is one of the like most perfect tests out there to just find out what kind of person you might be going on a date with all right next question yeah yeah all right so this next question is could any of us individually ever be in a poly relationship polyamorous for those who don't know what that means um, i'll go first uh i mean i guess theoretically i could because the idea of monogamy can be somewhat weird to me which is you know probably something that you know isn't that shocking to i guess some people that know me um i don't i don't tend to get jealous at this point in my life I, I know I probably did when I was younger with some of those things, but I think like as I've grown older, I don't I don't tend to get jealous at all. Um, and so with that, I mean, it would really depend on who you're in a relationship with because that is probably one of the more important aspects of something like that is the ability to communicate and to have, you know, that open dialogue that would be needed for something like that. Um, but then at the same time, I don't necessarily consider myself 
that great of a significant other. So if I'm not great with one person, it'd probably be just worse with two. So that wouldn't necessarily be a good thing either. But I mean, the concept isn't crazy to me as it is to a lot of people. It's just, it would really depend on your relationship and you know, what your partner needs and wants and what you need and want and what you're looking to get out of your relationship with them and then the possible relationship with someone else added to it. And also, would I guess, depend on what type of polyamorous relationship is it. Is it one where, like, all three are strictly, or not strictly, but are all three in a relationship together? Or is it the kind of one where you have, like, a husband and a boyfriend or you know, like, or a boyfriend and a boyfriend, and they all know about each other, and they're fine with each other, but they wouldn't necessarily also be in a relationship with each other. There's varying dynamics with some of that stuff. You know, due to what my sexual orientation is, I don't know if I could be in a polyamorous relationship where it's like me and a, and a woman and another guy, and me be in a relationship with that other guy, just because that's not really what, you know, uh, does anything for me. But, you know, there's there's all kinds of things out there, though. And I think to definitively always say that you're against something can be very limiting. It's just you really have to take so many factors into account. And it's not even to say that, like, well, I would probably be okay in a polyamorous relationship, would I ever necessarily seek one out? That's a whole other ordeal, you know, because I might find one partner that I want to be with, and I don't necessarily want the idea of someone else in 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 my life within that aspect. You know, there is that like you could disregard me wanting you know my partner to be in another relationship. Just like I myself might not want that, and that would be a valid you know feeling. So then that would mean I wouldn't want one just because I I don't wouldn't personally want one you know with the significant other I already have. But, like, the idea of one, to me, and I would say that, like, that's why I would say that I would probably be more okay with it than not, is just for the fact that through most of my life, while I have been in, like, several monogamous relationships and stuff like that, and I've never been in a polyamorous relationship, I've never necessarily always felt the need that things needed to be monogamy. Like, it's not like I was like, oh, well, you know, it's just... Monogamy, I could see where people don't think it's like right for them or anything like that. Or what is needed in their relationship. So, that's my quick take on it, if you want to call it quick. Okay. Um, Guess I'll go next. Um, As far as this is concerned, I mean, probably kind of a dead giveaway was kind of what I said (laughs) earlier about just... um, potentially there are all these people so i mean the idea is not crazy to me because i mean you you know to me it's not crazy or taboo or anything like that can it work yes could i potentially be in something like that possibly um but just on the outside looking in and having never been and you know every single one of my relationships have been monogamous relationships um which are hard you know i mean that to me that's hard enough and like i do agree sterling the first thing i thought 
when I read that question is, man, how much harder would it be if it was two people? Would, would that necessarily be easier or would it be more difficult just because, and I don't know, I guess it's just all in, like you said, what are the dynamics of the relationship and what, what, what purpose is everybody serving for each other? But I just think about it and it's like, you know, to, to, for me anyway, I feel like for any relationship to work, like you said, there's got to be constant communication. You got to give people your time. You got to, you know, and that person, if you do care about them in this way and you want to be with them in a relationship, I feel like you got to give them a certain amount of time, a certain amount of attention. You know, you have to, uh, it takes work. Like you have to, you have to build it. You have to develop it just like anything else. And there's repetition and everything like that. So, I mean, and, and to me, that's a lot to just do with one person and try to fathom doing that for two people is just feels very difficult and like astronomical to me. Like, so I'm not saying that I would I'm against it or anything like that because of any sort of beliefs or like I think it's or, or I think it's. Like it's not any of those things. I'm not against it, Um, but man, I just think it would be difficult. Like man, the communication would have to be on point, and everybody would have to be on the same page. And like you said, Sterling, you might have to be the kind of person who doesn't get jealous or anything like that. And I don't know. I've never been in a situation where like there was jealousy. I've never been in like a love triangle or or that I was aware of or anything like that. So I don't know what it's like to feel that or to be on the other side of that or any any of that. So I can't really speak from experience um of, from that either. But but it's not anything that I would necessarily be against. Because again, I sort of believe that there are all these, that there are numerous people out there that could be compatible with you and have the potential to love you and you love them back and things like that. So, you know, just based on the merit of that, I, I believe that yes, there could possibly be multiple people that, that could do that at the same time and y'all could all love each other and communicate and live and have a fulfilling life. So. I don't think it's beyond the realm of possibility with me, but God, it seems it, it, it almost just, it seems so difficult to me now because I just, I guess I just respect how difficult it is to just be with one person. So I guess that's my stance on it. Yeah. And I actually, I mean, I know a few people that are in, um, poly relationships and my understanding is yeah it's absolutely just like you have to really make sure you're communicating everything and that everybody's comfortable and if for any reason someone is not comfortable you talk about it and all of that so um i know people that make it work um you know and then just kind of knowing them it gives me a better understanding of how how that type of relationship would work, you know, um, for me personally, uh, to be honest, no, I don't think that, um, I, I could ever do it for a couple of reasons. Um, a big factor of it being, if I'm being honest, like I, I can be a, a more jealous person. <laughs> like, I think that 
if I was in that type of situation, I would very easily feel inadequate. Um, kind of being in, you know, like I, I want to be with somebody where it's just the two of us and we're, we're doing life together. We're building a life together. Um, and that's what I want. And I want to focus my attention fully just on one person. Uh, because like, yeah, mm-hmm. obviously like you, you were saying like, it is hard work just with one person, but also I just, I would just feel weird. Like, putting my attention on more than one person at a time in that type of way, like trying to get to know somebody in that type of way, more than one person. I, I, it's just not something I think I'd be able to do well, but it's also just not something that I want to do. Like I just, I, I want to have a life with somebody down the line. That's like, it's, it's just me and him, you know, and that's, that's what I want. I want that with one person. And I just feel like for me, that would be that would be a more fulfilling relationship for me because that would meet that would be meeting the needs of what I would want. Um, but again, like I know people that are in poly relationships and they make it work and they actually love it and it's totally their 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 favorite types of relationships that they've done. But for me, I just um, I, I don't think that it's something that I would ever really want to do um just yeah for all of those reasons but yeah i just think and and i hate to say that too because i'm like i i hate to admit that i'm like that person that would be jealous <laughs> but i just know myself and i would just be questioning everything and in my mind i would just be thinking from their perspective like am i not enough for just this one person and that's not even necessarily what it is for people but I just know my doubts that I would have about myself in that situation, if that makes sense. Um, there would always just be that thing in the back of my mind. So for me, I wouldn't, you have to be a super confident, confident person um, to be able to, I think, be in a relationship like that and not feel slighted in some way. Um, and I respect people that can totally do that. I think that that is a solid thing to be that confident and that comfortable and sure of yourself and sure of your situation that you can do that. But for me, I just like, I know in the back of my mind, I would always have that thing of, I want to be the one that's just enough for this person, you know? So that, that's where I stand with it. I mean, I get that. And like to clarify some of that stuff with like, with, with me personally, one reason why it's sometimes hard just with one person in general is I do have adult ADHD. Like I've had ADHD my whole life, but like as an adult and like the more they found out about some of the things and the more I've actually been, you know, seeing or like seeing my own self with some of those things. It's like, I do have displacement issues a lot of times where like sometimes physically not seeing a person can cause me to like, not forget they exist, but it's, I disconnect from like that being a possibility of me talking to someone like, you know, sometimes when it, like it might just take a text to like, kind of give me like, Oh yeah, I can text this person, you know? But like, sometimes like I forget that I can text people that I don't see, or I don't see a current message from them or something like that. If that makes any sense. So like, 
I can just get stuck in a fucking wormhole of bullshit fucking TikTok shit and just not like think, oh, like I can text my significant other. You know what I mean? And like, it's not malicious. It's not like that they're a forgettable person. That's what my brain does. Like my brain sits there and goes, whatever's not in front of you right now does not exist to the whole world. You know? And so that causes some problems with some of that stuff. And, and you know, like, especially if you're like in a polyamorous relationship and say the other person isn't there, like my mind might make like, like they disappear type of situation. It's which would cause, I I foresee it causing problems just because it's caused problems in normal monogamous relationships. And then I have to worry about texting two people. I don't know if my brain can comprehend that unless I put them in a group message, which sometimes even in a polyamorous relationship, you might not want everything in a group message. Maybe you do. Maybe that's the secret to it. Having a group message. Who knows? Maybe I just broke the code for it. I don't know. But I'm just saying, like, that's that's just somehow how it happens with me. And, I mean, fuck, like, we've had it with me with recording the podcast before. Like, I'm sitting there editing before we ha- before it's time for us to record. And then I'm 20 minutes late for us to record because just nothing else existed while I was editing. You know, I didn't, like, text me. You guys were sending texts, all this shit. And I'm like, I'm not seeing it. You know what I mean? Like, it, it doesn't even exist to me at the time. You know, and then like I get to a point in the the editing where it's like a natural pause in it, and I just happen to look at my phone and I'm like, oh fuck, I'm late. You know, like that happens to me all the time. And yeah, I just like I said, it's caused problems with me in monogamous relationships. I just feel like it might be double trouble with the polyamorous, and why I wouldn't personally be good at them. That's fair. All right. Ready for the next question? Yep. Yeah. All right. So this next question is, what is the most important or most impactful thing each of you have learned from past or current relationships? I think I kind of spilled mine earlier. And and I think that's why I can get to this a little quicker. Like, so like right now, like I said, I'm in the middle of getting divorced, you know? And so, like, it was, like I said, learning the lesson of just because I'm getting divorced and, like, my marriage is ending doesn't necessarily mean it was a failed relationship. As weird as it may sound, I'm on very good terms with my soon-to-be ex-wife. Like, we still technically live together. I just live in the basement. She lives in the upstairs of the house. You know, I still, um, I still produce her podcast, The Happy Corner. Um, I, every once in a while I still do the sound for it, uh, and stuff like that. Like I still, you know, we're friends, you know, and because of that, it's also, you know, the idea that, and a a lot of our family thinks it's weird because, you know, some of them have been divorced before and all this other stuff where they've seen other people get divorced and they always get divorced at the point when they hated each other. You know, they hated each other, so they got divorced. Or something happened that caused them to hate each other, and they got divorced. Or there's kids, or there's any number of fucking things out there. But, like, we had, 
like where we weren't the best at communicating during our relationship, what ended up kind of being our saving grace with it was the fact that we did openly communicate about the end of our relationship, you know, and was it necessarily all good things that were said? No, but we were open and honest about it and we were able to salvage whatever kind of relationship we're able to continue to have, which at this point is friendship. It's not being married. It's not being romantic with each other. It's friendship, you know, and, and being okay with that, that like having a relationship end is not a failing thing. It's just, there are times, I mean, sometimes I guess it could be a failure on somebody's part or whatever, but at the same time, that can just be what it is. Not to like overly simplify it or anything like that, but just sometimes, especially over time, relationships change. People change. And sometimes people don't stay together because they changed. And what is what brought them together in each other's lives isn't necessarily what's happening still in their lives. And that is okay to happen. Is it sometimes unfortunate? Yes. But it's not necessarily a failure. And people shouldn't always look at that. Because so many people, there's some people that wear divorces as like fucking, you know, fucking badges of honor. They're like, oh, I'm on my fifth ex-wife or whatever. Like, and all that bullshit. And then there are some people that get divorced and like, they let that stop their life. Because they're like, well, this relationship failed. So like, why even try again? You know? Like, that's not the case. Like, relationships fail. And I think if, for it to truly be a failure, it'd be if you didn't stop looking for relationships. You know, it'd be like, just because you lose a friend, you know, because you grow apart, well, I'm never going to go find a friend again. Like, why? So, that's the biggest lesson I learned. That's a pretty good one. Um that's a pretty good one because I, I like how you put that. And that's something that like, just how you said, like sometimes people change and, um, and because they change, then that dynamic, that dynamic may not work, but that doesn't mean it can't become a different dynamic or anything like that. And I think that that's very true. Like just, you know, the, the relationships, uh, have different like different dynamics you know and and sometimes just because a relationship doesn't fit this original dynamic you thought that it, it could fit doesn't mean that there isn't still some other doesn't mean that it's not that that you still don't have a relationship with that person maybe you still do it's just that it is a different it's just different it's just not the marriage one, but that doesn't mean it can't morph or be something else or just like a a friendship with someone. That's a, that's a relationship is, but it's just a different dynamic from like, you know, a romantic one. So I definitely get that. And that is something that people I do think should uh, keep in mind and stuff like that. So that was, that was very interesting what you said. Um, as far as me, I guess, uh, really, um, if, if anything, the relationships that I've been in have just taught me more about what I, what I need 
I guess, versus what I want. You know, I think that sometimes like, or at least how it was for me is like, um, I went into a lot of different relationships and there are all these things that you want, you know, you want the partner to be like this. You want them to feel this way about you or what you're doing or your motivations or whatever it is you're trying to do. You want them to have these certain traits about them and different things like that. And I think that, you know, early on, when it came to looking for um, a woman to be in a relationship in, a, a lot of times I was leaning towards those things. You know, it, it's, it's, she's got to look like this. She's got to have, she's got to believe this, or she's got to want these things, or she's got to see this or whatever the case may be. And there are a lot of these things that are like these things that I wanted or thought I needed in a relationship. And then sometimes then you get in the relationship. And even though it started with some of those things that you felt like you wanted, you come to find out that those weren't the things that you needed, you know, like those weren't the things that really you need in a relationship. And I feel like sometimes the only way to get arrived to that point is to go through some relationships and then understand that that was that the reason maybe why it didn't work or it didn't work for a romantic relationship is because there are really these other things that you need and those things need to be put at the forefront. You know, what What I actually needed was somebody who would just, um, I, I don't need anybody to agree with these things and everything like that. Sometimes you just arrive to the point to where I just, I need somebody who's going to listen whether they agree or not, are they going to listen and just be receptive to what I have to say, my feelings? If I express myself a certain way, are they going to be receptive to that, you know, and everything like that? Even if they don't agree with everything that I'm saying, can they at least accept me for having those thoughts and, and what I'm and, and who I am and, and what that says about who I am? So now I just, when I'm looking for a partner and things like that, I just feel like it's a lot deeper than what it used to be. I think that I used to look for a lot of surface level things, but what my relationships have taught me is, is that you, it's really more about those inner things, you know, like, like the, the most recent, recent, recent relationship that I was in it, it it got to a point to where what I took from that was like the, the communication wasn't what it needed to be. I guess in the sense that even though on the surface, there was this like mutual respect and different things like that. And like, it felt like it, we were each in support of our goals and what we wanted. But then we found out later that what I wanted in the relationship and what she wanted or the things that we needed, I should say, that wasn't, we weren't really meeting on those. You know, we weren't really on the same wavelength when it came to those things. And once we understood that, once we understood, okay, the, this is what I'm going for. This is what I'm, I, I feel like I need. And then once we had that conversation, I found out, what she needed and everything like that, 
we came to the conclusion that we are not compatible in that way. So it ended amicably. And I still consider this person a friend and everything like that. It didn't end in a terrible way or anything like that. But it was sort of that discovery that, man, the, the, this can't work unless, uh, you know, this can't work because we sort of found out what I need, even though we like each other, you know, you're good. I think you're a good person. She thought I was a good person. And even though some things were working, we were compatible in a lot of ways. In the things that were pivotal, that we really, that we actually needed, the things that we, that I would call needs, like supportive of certain things, receptive of certain things, not trying to pull each other out of a certain lifestyle, like trying to change the person. Like, in, in other words, in order for me to, in order for me to get what I wanted, it would involve her having to make some changes that I think would have caused her to resent me. And vice versa, in order for her to have gotten ideally what she wanted from the relationship, I would have had to have made some changes that would have been uncomfortable for me. So by understanding those needs, we came to the conclusion that that's why we weren't compatible. You know, that's why things started to not work and we could finally see the writing on the wall and we had to face that and understand that. And it wasn't anything that we went into it or said we needed initially, but ultimately we arrived to that discovery that, well, damn, I don't think it can move any forward anymore because of these central needs that we need to have for the relationship. So I think that was the biggest thing I learned. Yeah, that's good. I mean, I feel like there's been a couple of bigger things I've learned, but I mean, one of them is sort of something that um, Jasta had alluded to earlier in the episode of like, you don't have to be the same person. Like you and your partner do not have to agree on every single thing. You don't have to be the exact same personality. And oftentimes I've, found that being opposites can be more compatible for people um, or complementary for each other um, because they might teach you something that in your own perspective or personality, you wouldn't think of something in a certain way that they would and vice versa. And I think that that's a big one too, because, you know, it's, it's just one of those where people, yeah, it, it is like that checklist that you talk about of, do they laugh at all the same jokes I laugh at? Do they like all the same things and all the same music and all the same whatever? And you don't have to have that to have a meaningful and lasting relationship with somebody. You know, um, you know, you just need to have that mutual respect and understanding and you, you need to have that like, you know, th- that's not the deal breakers. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but I mean, I just think in general, you're you're pretty much at your most vulnerable when you're in a relationship with somebody. Um, so I, I think I've just in general learned a lot about myself and just the the areas that I need to grow in in ways that you know I might have thought you know I'm I'm better at certain aspects of a relationship than I actually am, and learning to work on those things and tap into those things and actually be like okay so this is what I thought I was doing, but it's not what I'm doing. So now I need to figure out how I can 
how I can associate that or relate with this person to, to be better at that area, you know, and it's not about changing a person or anything. It's just more about understanding and supporting and listening to each other and communicating. Um, and so I think that's been a big thing. And just really, honestly, one of the biggest things is really just like, you, you got to learn the other person's love language in a way, um, whatever that may be. And just, you, you need to learn how to love the person the way that they best and most feel loved. And that might not be the same as how you best feel loved. Like maybe I need, mm-hmm. you know, words of affirmation from a person and maybe they need quality time, you know, or whatever it may be. You, you don't try to love the person the way that you feel most loved because that might not be what they need. And I think it's important to learn that and not necessarily give up the way that you best feel loved, but just understanding someone else is different than you. And you just have to kind of meet that need for them of how can I make you feel most loved? Like what is the things that I can do where you're going to feel most loved and supported and cared for by me? And I think that that's super important and goes in line a lot with communication with your partner. So I think that's definitely been a couple of the bigger things that I've learned. Look at us getting all Dr. Phil and shit. (laughs) (laughs) Anything else on those? I think, I think we all had good answers on that one. That was a good question. I did like that question. Yeah. Um, all right. So we're going to go back to the less profound questions. There's a couple more. the next question is top three favorite romance movies and why like a crazy shift in tone, <laughs> but I like it. It's fine. I think that's a little tough. I mean, I thought about this one, but I also think that some of mine are probably going to be obvious just because down the line, people are going to find that most of these are on my essentials list. <laughs> But I mean, for me, it's really hard to say a top three because it can like change on a day-to-day basis for me. Um, But I definitely, I have to put Crazy Stupid Love in there because I just think that movie is fantastic. And I think it's just because they, they kind of tell the story of different types of relationships between people, like a married couple that's separated. Um, you know, this guy who's kind of a player that actually finds somebody who makes him not want to be that way. It just, it covers a a multitude of different types of, you know, love that people experience. And it's just super funny. I mean, it's Steve Carell and Ryan Gosling. You really, that dynamic is unstoppable. (laughs) Like, I just think their dynamic in that movie is amazing. And, um... I don't know. It's just they're very charming and very funny and play off of each other's wit really well. Um, And, you know, Emma Stone, obviously, I love her. But I just I think that her and Ryan Gosling have this ridiculous chemistry in almost every movie that I see them in together. And it's this is the one that I first saw them in together. And man, like the chemistry between them is like you almost want them to actually be in a relationship because it's so cute. So, um, that's one of mine. 
I think I have to go also with um, 10 Things I Hate About You. I know we had talked about that movie, but for all the reasons that we talked about in the episode we did on it, just it's funny, it's humorous, it's like, it's just got like so many good characters and actors and it does so many tropes of like high school rom-coms but somehow it's just better than most of them for me um and then i think i don't know i was kind of i had a few that were almost like a tie but i think i'm gonna go with crazy rich asians because it's a beautiful movie like the way it's shot i've never seen such a beautiful like rom-com movie before and just also the chemistry between Henry Golding and um, Constance Wu is phenomenal. And I, I just like the the family dynamic of it, too, of like, you know, you, you get sort of the happy ending, but you also kind of get a little bit of not everything, you know, wraps up in a neat little bow. And that's true to real life, <laughs> you know, and I appreciated that about it. And just the um, Michelle Yeoh playing the mom. And I, I just, I love, I just love how she did the character of the mom because you want to just really dislike her so much. But when she talks about like what she's been through and why she has the thoughts she has on things, you can't really, like you kind of understand it. <laughs> like I just, I don't know. I just appreciate the characters and how they were fleshed out in that movie. Um, it's great. It's just a really fun, delightful little movie. So that's that's my top three for today, anyway. I'll let you go next, Justin. Okay. Um, well, Heather, you actually did have one of mine because I had Crazy Rich Asians also on my yes. list. Um, that to me, that movie when I finally watched it because I didn't get to see it in the theater or anything. It was like a I want to say I red boxed it or something, probably rented it. I know I rented it somehow. Um, and that was just such a pleasant surprise. Like I, I, I really was just blown away by how much I liked it. I liked all of the characters. I liked all the leads. I liked um, the story that it was about. Like you said, Michelle Yeoh was great in it as well. And to this day, it is just one of the most memorable weddings. I, I still think that oh that God. is probably yeah. the best wedding I've ever seen, like on screen, as far as like on screen weddings, like totally just have to agree. Yeah. All the vibrant colors and what they did with the water and everything like that. Like, and normally in movies like this, I'm not one to like remember the marriage scene or the or the wedding scene or whatever you know that that's not something that normally like that that normally i'm gonna take from a movie or remember from it or anything like that but this one did that like that is i like that is a uh um a wedding scene that i just will probably never forget just because of just how just amazing it looked. So there, so there are just like aesthetic things that I really just enjoyed about that movie. And then I think it's just all in all, it's a really good story. I, I just thought that it was well told. It, it was refreshing to kind of get a different cultural perspective 
on that kind of a story. So I think that, uh, you know, all in all, that is one that is definitely just going to make the the top of the list for me. Um, Another one that I r- really enjoyed and um, and I want to say that this one was one that Sterling actually uh, recommended. I want to say you were the first person that recommended this to me, but uh, Love Actually, I think that that's a great. That's that's that probably was me. Yeah, I want to say it was you, but I I I think that that's a great um like love story romantic kind of movie uh dare i say it's probably like a classic at this point you know it often is on list and stuff like that you know i mean and and it's got some of those actors and actresses that just are that they know their they know their way around a movie like this and there were all these other characters and all these other different intricate stories and i like how it all came together at the end i think it's just a very well crafted well acted movie it, it's one of those where i could rewatch that anytime or if it's on you know i could catch myself just wa- watching seeing where it is and be like oh i remember this part and just watching the rest of it it's just easy to watch and the same thing with crazy with rich asians you know both of those are just um very easy to watch type of movies so i definitely like uh both of those and then another one and then probably the last one i'll talk about and it's kind of a fairly recent movie but marriage story i think at the moment and i mean this changes from time to time and different things like that but man uh marriage story is kind of a story about not only is it a story about love but it's about divorce it's about making changes it's about like all of the hardships that come that that can come with that and kind of the price that's paid when you try to love and what happens when the when the people are growing apart and the difficulties of that and stuff so it covers a different side of love and i appreciated that and I just th- thought that Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson really, really brought it. I like when actors really get to act. I like when stuff is yeah. like, you know, emotionally heavy and stuff like that. You know, those are the kinds of romance movies that I lean towards, even though like Crazy Rich Asians and um, Love Actually, they're a little bit on the lighter side, but the ones that I tend to lean towards are the ones where there's just like, I like the ones where there's heavy drama. These people are really going through some tough stuff and you really feel like by the time you get to the end, whatever the conclusion is and in marriage story, um, which I mean, you know, we, we did the, we did our podcast on it. So I don't, I guess I don't have to necessarily give a spoiler on it, but you know, at the end of that movie, where we arrived at the journey and the acceptance that the characters both had about what their relationship is now versus what they tried to make it when they were trying to be married, I thought it was great. You know, I thought it was very reflective. It's it's a, it's a movie where you can sit there and talk about it for a long time with somebody just about what it meant, what the characters were trying to say, what they went through. And it just, 
you know, I, I, th- I thought it was very also just relatable and realistic with just some of the things they tackled there about growing apart and some of the warning signs and how and and then and how important it is to express how you really feel. All of that is in there. So it's definitely one that I consider one of my all time favorites for those reasons. So it's me. And one thing that I I don't want to, this isn't a part of my list, but it's piggybacking off of Jasta with love. Actually, like there's been a lot of pushback against love actually lately because of some of the toxicity in some of the relationships in that movie. And I agree with that, but I think that that's one of those things that kind of makes me appreciate that movie a little bit more because he, that, that, that movie is about all kinds of different relationships, good and bad. And that's just something you don't often see in movies. You don't get that mix of good and bad, you know? Which is something that you're kind of alluding to also with marriage story that it's, you also get the bad side of things, which can make a romance movie more impactful because it's more authentic. Um, and with that, I'll say one of mine is a fairly recent movie too. And we did do a podcast on it, uh, is the photograph, uh, with Lakeith Stanfield and Issa Rae. Um, Oh yeah, that was good. I loved it. And I, I, I still love it. I, I have watched it fairly recently again. And it's, it's. Yeah. The authenticity it shows with some of that stuff. And the fact that I legitimately think that Issa Rae and Lakeith Stanfield are in love. But that's also, I think, Issa Rae. <laughs> because there's the movie Lovebirds. And I feel that she's in love with Kumail Nanjani in that. She's amazing at it. Um, yeah. But it's just so good. And it's it's like we were talking about. In that movie, you get multiple relationships. You get to see the good and the bad. And the textures that that brings to relationships. And, you know, you get even some of the other dynamics between, like, father and daughter and stuff like that. And the textures and the good and bad in that. And so I just really love uh, that movie when it comes to just dealing with pure romance. Um, another movie I absolutely love like this that I shouldn't, it's not at all a good movie. It's not even the best of love stories, but I love it because of one line. I've and I, actually both my next two are because of one line that I really like how it, that portrays love. And it's the movie, the wedding date with, uh, Deborah messing and, uh, What's his name? Oh, yeah. Dermot Mulrooney? Yes. I, I can never remember his name of, uh, or if that's him, or there's like five actors that all have like the same name-ish, and I always get them confused. Yeah, like Dylan McDermott. Yes. Yeah, yeah I know. What you yeah, mean. exactly. Like, they, that's, all the, that's all the same person. I refuse to believe it's five different actors. <laughs> uh, it's right up there with, uh, what, Josh Hartnett and uh, the other guy. What's his name? They're just two completely different people. Ethan Hawke. They're the same person. (laughs) You've all been fooled. They're all the same. Um, But I love that movie. I don't know why. It's not, like I said, it's not even the best of relationships. It's not the best dynamics of anything. It's not the best acting. It's not the best love story. It's not the best of fucking anything. But, like, at the end, the 
because the premise is that he's a male prostitute. Well, not even a prostitute. He's a male escort because, you know, he's there to be your date, you know, but you can pay for sex. Um, and specifically, you can pay to blow him because it's worth it. And I love that. But at the end of the movie, he says to Deborah Messing, he was like, I would rather fight with you than make love to anyone else. And I love that sentiment. And it's not necessarily the best of sentiments because ideally you wouldn't want somebody you're fighting with all the time, even though that's the stereotype of marriage or whatever. Um, But I, I like the sentiment of it, though, that I would rather the tough times with you than the best times with anybody else. Like, yeah, I like that sentiment with it. And it's all like everybody's British with the exception of those two. And that's fun, too. Um, but my next one, and I'm actually th- going through for a curve. This wasn't what I was originally going to say, but it's what I'm going to say now is princess and the frog. And it's not for the fucking main characters. It's for my fucking firefly. <laughs> and the moon. You will never get over it. I will never get over it ever. And I love it. I love that dynamic. And it's completely one-sided because, you know, one of the characters in that relationship or love interest or love story, whatever the fuck you want to call it, is the moon. <laughs> but I love it so much. It does. It legitimately just rips at my fucking heartstrings every fucking time. And that's saying a lot because I don't always have heartstrings. Like, you, you have to get really in there to get them. And Remy and the moon gets me. Every time. And like his when, belief. His yeah. belief in that love, right? Yeah, then when they're he's all lying, they're fucking dying. And he's like, you know what? I'm glad I get to die now. Because now I get to be with the moon. How is that not the Aww. most romantic ass shit you've ever heard? <laughs> Man. Freaking Remy. Yeah, so I'll say that. And like I said, it's not even technically it is a romance movie in by you know, the sheer definition that it's a Disney animated movie and outside of like frozen, they're all technically that. And the only reason why I say not frozen is because like, I would argue Elsa's the main character and she doesn't have that. Even though like the C storyline is, is honest uh, love story. But anyway, um, but yeah, no, it's, it's gotta be that it's, it's the love story within princess and a frog of Remy and the moon. I, I'm down for that all day, every day. Okay. What was the other movie you were going to say? I'm just curious. I was going to say Notting Hill because I love that one too. Okay. I'm surprised you didn't say Love Actually because you do love that movie. I do. I do love Love Actually. But like I said, I think, you know, I like it for that. But whenever it comes to like, I mean, Notting Hill is why, you know, I like movies like Love Actually. That's fair. Yeah. You know. And and it's got that like it's got that line. Like I love that line in Notting Hill of I'm just a girl standing in front of a boy. Like, come on. That's romantic ass shit. <laughs> like, I love it. You know, that really is right up there. If you want, like, we oh, we should have done a, a segment of this about just rom- the best romantic lines in a movie. Come on, like, you had me at hello. I would love that. Come on. Yeah. Come on, man. 
I totally think that would have been a fun one to do. Yeah, but we've already gone well over two hours, so. But those are my three <laughs> and why. So what's the last one? Okay. Yeah, so we have one more question, and the question is just um, best rom-com actor. I mean, which, I which, that which age? Male or female. Like, what romantic comedy age are we talking about here? Because, I mean, for a long time, I'd, us, I'd, I guess. Say, I'd say my boy Hugh Grant had it on. Pat, I mean, he did About a Boy, yeah. Notting Hill, uh, I mean, even Love Actually. And, like, it just, come on, like, it was Hugh Two Grant. Two Weeks Notice. Two Weeks Notice is a good one. I like music and lyrics. I shouldn't. It's terrible, but I like music and lyrics with him and Drew Barrymore. When they weirdly have no chemistry, but then at the same time, all the chemistry, I don't know how it works. <laughs> I I honestly, I would have to chalk that up to being Hugh Grant, mostly. I'm not even the biggest Hugh Grant fan, but in that movie, he's a very charming person. I think Hugh Grant has charm, like has chemistry with anybody, just for the sheer fact that he's so fucking charming. Then how can you not fall in love with the man? <laughs> I'm kind of having a fucking like you know crush on him right now, just thinking about all the movies he's done. <laughs> I'm just thinking about his weird little British smile and his all shy charm, and I'm like, I want to go on a date with Hugh Grant. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely like a good one, like. I mean, as far as like when, when it comes to men who've done it, like, I don't know. He, it's really hard to argue with him as far as just the person who's been in, um, like he's been in a lot of the iconic ones. He kind of had that reputation of that. That's what he's kind of known for. And just being that charming person that that's a, he's definitely a good choice. Um, oh man! Well, just real quick a- before you jump off him, though, man, you've also got fucking Bridget Jones. Even though he's the bad guy in that, he's still Bridget Jones. Four weddings and a funeral, nine months, Sense and Sensibility. Like he's just a romantic motherfucker. At least in movies, I know in his personal life, there's been some issues, but still, yeah. So yeah, so I, I totally get where that's coming from and this was kind of a weird question for me because it's like okay am i picking just like who i think is the best overall actor like who represents this genre the most like because in that case how could i not go with somebody like Hugh Grant or somebody like that or Hugh Grant or Meg Ryan or somebody like that who's been in just a ton of these movies who kind of was like the like the the iconic person uh for that movie genre and everything like that. So on one end, you know, I lean towards maybe somebody like that, like somebody who has just kind of made their name off of romantic comedies. And then the other part of me is the like, though, but who is the actress or the actor that I like the most in these movies? Like, who's in more of my favorite ones? And it was weird because I arrived to like Scarlett Johansson 
And it's funny because when I think about her, I don't, I don't see her as like a rom-com or a romantic comedy, uh, actress or anything like that. But when I think about my favorite, like romance movies and stuff, she's in a lot of them. Like, uh, like I already talked about marriage story lost in translation. I love that movie. She's in that, you know, that's a love story. Uh, match point. She's in that Vicky Cristina Barcelona. I love that movie. She's in that. So, so the more I started thinking about this, I was like, well, damn, I guess really my answer is Scar Joe. Like <laughs> she's in a lot of the ones that I tend to enjoy, you know? So if I had to pick, so I think personally, she's my favorite, you know, but the critic in me wants to pick like somebody like a Hugh Grant or a Meg Ryan or Julia Roberts. So that's kind of where I, I stood on it. No, I get that. That's fair. I mean, I, for me, I kind of, if I have a couple of, I have a, a male and a female answer for this one. Like as far as female actors, um, I mean, I really think I have to give it to Julia Roberts because there's just something about like how she delivers lines and how she does her characters. Like she's just America's sweetheart, right? Like she is just like, you can't not love her in like those romantic movies that she's in. Um, my best friend's wedding, um, America's sweethearts, the movie. I like that one at least. Um, pretty woman. Like you just, she's so, um, she's so great. And Notting Hill, you know, all of those. Um, and then, you know, also, but it's really hard to, because I do actually, I know Sterling will disagree. I actually really love Sandra Bullock in a rom-com. I think she's, I, I think I know. I I think she's great in romantic uh, comedies. Like I really liked the proposal. I know it's not super well received, but her and Ryan Reynolds had that chemistry in that one. I liked it. Um, you know, and two weeks notice. Um, you know, she's just uh, even in Speed. It's not really a rom com, but just romantic love interest movies that she's in. Um. I just think that she's really good in those. So, but as far as like um, male actors in rom-coms, I think I have to give it to Ryan Gosling um, because he is probably a more modern day Hugh Grant, in my opinion, as far as his charm and his chemistry that he has with people. Like, not even just Crazy Stupid Love, but in La La Land and in The Notebook, as much as I do not like The Notebook, he and as much as his character was terrible, like, for how toxic he was, he was still probably the best part about the movie for me, um, um, as far as, like, performance-wise and everything like that. And, um, you know, even in, uh, what is the other one I was thinking of? Oh, I was thinking of, um... Lars and the Real Girl, which isn't really a romantic comedy, but just a, ro a romance thing. He's just, he's got something about how he also just is so relatable. And even in, um, what is it, Blue Valentine? Like, he's just he's so good with the love stories that he's given. And he's just so believable in every one of those roles. But when he's, like, in a rom-com, I think it's, like, his best 
funny that he is. Like, he's just, the way that he plays off of the people he's around is so great. Um, so I think I have to give it to Ryan Gosling. Funny little side story. You know who I saw uh, My Blue Valentine with? Who? Yeah, Stan. Oh, that's cute. Yep, we saw that. <laughs> I've weirdly movie. seen a lot of romantic movies with Justin. <laughs> I mean, which is funny that one time we joked. One time we joked that we were in a what was that movie we were in where the, the nobody believed the, the girls us? that went to the bathroom. Yeah, the girls were into the bathroom, oh. and it was just us two oh. in there. Oh, that was oddly enough. That was Ella Enchanted. Um, yeah. We saw Ella Enchanted <laughs> together. Well, we, it was, it was, uh, we were watching it at midnight. It was me, Justin, and these two girls uh, that we used to hang out with. It wasn't like a dating thing or anything like that. They were just friends. One of them used to work with us at the theater. And yeah, we were sitting there watching Ella Enchanted. And just weirdly enough, like they went up to use the bathroom in the middle of the movie. And we're just sitting there. I'm like, we were like, how weird would it be if somebody walked in right now? And it's just me and Justin watching Ella Enchanted. Like just, but I mean, there was another time, wow. and I know we talked about it in our when we talked about going to the, the our like movie theater episode. The, the story was that like we were doing a midnight movie again, and this was on the Thursday when you know everybody was doing the midnight movies, and we went in to watch Definitely Maybe, and me and Jasper are sitting there to watch Definitely Maybe, and these people came in and they're like, "What movie is this one going to be?" We're like definitely maybe, and they're like, "Oh yeah, sure." With you guys in here, and they sat down thinking we were joking, and definitely maybe, sure as fuck, started on the fucking screen. And then they were like, "Oh, it really is definitely maybe." And then they all left. Hey, that movie is underrated. Oh, it is. I like that movie. It is vastly underrated. Yeah, I think it's fucking it. fantastic. And oh, Sterling, you, I think you missed a big romance movie that I thought you would pick. What's that? Brokeback Mountain. Man, I should have. That, I don't know if that's a big romance movie, though. I just think the sex scenes are hot. I mean, don't get me wrong. There is the romantic element of it also. But, like, there's just something sexy about the primal sexness of that movie that I love. I thought it was primarily a romance movie, but maybe not. It kind of is. Like, I mean, it is about the romance <laughs> and stuff like that. But, like, I think the sex scenes are hot in that movie. Just because, the, like, they're so primal and it's just about, like, the urge to fuck and, like, all that stuff. And I just thought they did a really good job of that. They really captured it. Okay. Man. I gotcha. I, I just- gotcha. I just remember so many people because I worked at the theater at the time that that, yeah. you know, came yeah. out and everything. <laughs> yeah, we were. And man, I just remember people making such a big deal out of that. They were like, fucking flipping their shit about that movie. They really were. Really were. I think I ended up seeing that movie three or four times in the theaters. <laughs> like, and everybody just grasp it. Yeah. But it's like, it's a good movie, though. It like, is. Like, it is. The like, it has. joke I have for that movie is the joke from South Park when they're talking about indie movies. And they're like, well, every indie movie is just two gay cowboys eating pudding. And then there's like a, a gay cowboy movie comes out. That's the only thing that I thought was a funny joke with it is like they made that joke. And then like two years later, 
there's a gay cowboy movie. <laughs> like, right. Well, that was it, folks. Cool. But no, I remember I just this is still continuing that story, though. I remember uh, what was that one police guy's name? Mark? Yes, Mark. Yeah. I was standing around and it was Mark, BJ, because BJ, BJ was the other security guy, and Lenny. And we were standing, and that one was in front of what used to be old Theater 5, which I guess it was always Theater 5, They just when they added the new theater, but it was Theater 5. Because, you know, you had to worry about kids sneaking into the rated R gay movie. And, you know, they were standing there, and like they were like, they said something about that. Some, one of them made a joke about that movie. And I was standing at pole. And... They were like, yeah, like, who's really going to watch that movie? I was like, I've seen it twice. And, like, you could see, like, the color kind of, like, drain from their face. And it wasn't that anything. It's just to them, somebody saying that. It was like to them, I just went, yeah, I'm gay and I love cock. I just love all the cock. Yep. <laughs> yep. Like, it, their their face was just like the, the like, they were like, Somebody had the audacity to come out to us. Like, like it wasn't even that. It was just, it's a good movie. Like, that's all it was. I was just, it's a good movie. But they just, they could not separate that idea of good movie that has homosexual characters and gay people. Like, that's it. Like, that was the only possible explanation of anything. Was... Gay people see the gay movie, you know, and just like the look on their face that like they were just like running through all these things of is Sterling right now saying he's gay to us. And then like the the audacity that somebody would want to be gay in their presence or any like any of that stuff. You know what I mean? Like you could just tell that that's what's going on in their heads. You know? Yep. And unfortunately, with this being a podcast, it's it's really hard to maybe translate that story. I know Justin knows exactly what I'm talking about with those people. And people that may have worked there and known those people would understand what I was saying. Yeah. I think it yeah, makes oh, sense. Yeah. But, all right, I think that is it for our uh, love and romance off script. So, uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, check us out on the internet at www.cinemaslayers.com. Check us out on Facebook where we're Cinema Slayers Podcast or Twitter and Instagram where we're Cinema Underscore Slayers or TikTok where we're Cinema Slayers Pod. Um, shout out to Plug Migo and uh, Plug Migo and Mundo Cho for our theme songs. Uh, give us a five star rating and review. We'd really appreciate that. It would really help us out. Uh, tell your family, tell your friends, tell your friends' family, tell your family's friends, and tell those dear sweet mothers because you know what mothers love? Love. And they'd love hearing us talk about that. So check that out. And as I end every TikTok and as I end every podcast, just remember according to Justin, Moon Knight is a Best Picture winner. Slayers. 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 What the fuck? It's kind of too late. Now? It's too late. 
Cause love, sweet love, it just doesn't count anymore, Jasper. It's the only thing that there's just too little love. Is it also weird that I can't hear that song without thinking of Austin Powers? <laughs> <laughs> that was funny scene. No, I do have a real quick question before we completely sign off. So is Marriage Story the movie where Adam Driver says this is good soup? You, you, what, you is it where I he says what? Um, is Marriage Story the movie where Adam Driver is like at a diner or something like that with somebody and just says this is good soup? I think it is. I think it is. Yeah. I'm just wondering because that's been all over TikTok. Is just either somebody cutting the part where he says soup or this is good soup. And I know it's Adam Driver. I know the voice, but like, <laughs> I just don't know what it's from. So I'm just curious. I think it is. Like, I'm trying to, because I'm like, I can picture him saying it and everything. <laughs> I'm fairly certain it is from that movie. Like, he just says it in a weird, goofy way of, this is good soup. Oh, you know what? I actually just looked it up. No, it's from that show, Girls. Oh, that's why I don't know it then, because I've never fucking watched that show. So, <laughs> okay, that makes sense then. I just was curious, because I never watched Marriage Story, so I just didn't know. So, so I was asking. Yeah. All right, I'm out. <laughs>